0: Welcome to Get to the Point, a podcast series by the New South Wales Point to Point Transport Commissioner. The Commissioner is the independent regulator for point to point transport in New South Wales, which includes taxi, hire vehicles, and rideshare, as well as some community transport and tourist operations. In this series, you'll hear from industry representatives and from subject matter experts as we explore topics relevant to point to point transport and work together to ensure a safer point-to-point industry. Hi, I'm your host, Marcus Binet. Today we are speaking about community transport, the role that point-to-point transport plays, and we will answer some frequently asked questions. We'll also be talking through examples to help paint a clearer picture of when community transport may fit under point-to-point transport law in New South Wales, and how community transport is an important participant in the industry. Today, I'm joined by Ben Jackson from Active Care Network. He's also a member of the Community Transport Organization. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you here. Nicole O'Neill, Director of Outer Metro and Community Transport at Transport for New South Wales. Thanks, Nicole. And David Toos from the Point to Point Transport Commission. Thank you. It's good to have you here. So we'll start with you, Nicole, can you tell us what does a typical community transport provider look like?
1: Okay, I think the thing that's important is that I would say that there isn't actually one typical community transport provider. What's interesting in the community transport space is that transport provides funds to general community groups or councils who work on the services that are needed for their specific areas. So each community transport group basically is responding to the needs of those communities. And so there are some things that are common to groups but they're not necessarily all the same. But if I break it down, in general, community transport groups provide services and they can either be using anything from cars, vans, buses and vehicles that have mobility access for people who have mobility issues and wheelchair needs. So a broad range of groups actually provide community transport.
0: And so when you say a community, it could be like a community of people with specific needs, but it could also be the regional area, is that right? Like?
1: Indeed. So often community transport groups will provide services to regions. They are on a needs basis and the needs are based on eligibility. So there are some broad groups that fall into the areas for community transport. Predominantly frail age, people with disabilities form a target group. Community transport also services transport disadvantaged groups and from time to time there are some medical services that they can provide as well.
0: Okay, so which is that a passenger transport? Patient transport, sorry. Yeah, is that right?
1: Not necessarily patient transport, but they can provide some medical assisted transport, but not normally for ongoing treatment, such as dialysis. Mm-hmm. But they do assist basically in keeping people in their homes.
2: There is a funding stream that is available to community transport organisations through the state health department, which allows us to transport medically disadvantaged people in our community. So if you do have an ongoing condition like dialysis, if you have a shorter term chronic illness like cancer or treatment for cancer, then there is some health funding available to do that for us, but for the most part, community transport organisations deal with vulnerable parts of our community, whether it be aged or through disability.
0: What I'm thinking is people don't necessarily need to be transport disadvantaged physically. It can be because of where they live, can't it?
1: Indeed. So community transport responds to its areas and while the funding is the same, for all projects and they come from the same funding stream, which is transport for New South Wales in general administers funding on behalf of the Commonwealth. And that is for the Commonwealth Home Support Program. The Commonwealth Home Support Program provides about 90% of community transport services. And that's the target group of frail aged people with disabilities and attempting to keep people in their homes for longer periods of time. Now, while that the needs of transport will change regionally depending on the services that are required compared to, say, a city, compared to more rural and remote areas. The funding is the same.
2: In Blacktown, which is one of the local government areas, the Active Care Network services, there's a suburb called Wilmot and public transport doesn't operate in Wilmot very early in the morning or very late at night for safety reasons. Yeah. But that provides a level of disadvantage to those people who might need to get to different places, including the train station, at certain times of day. So. Community transport steps into that role, to be able to provide access to transport for transport disadvantage. It looks a bit different in the country because that's often about geography, more so about social issues that are going on at the time. Yeah.
1: And you may need to be required to travel further distances because some of those services mightn't be in your local town. They might actually be in your neighbouring regional town that you need to access the services required.
0: Yeah. So what do you think then, the Calder, is one of the greatest misunderstanding around community transport? Is there
1: one? I think one of the greatest misunderstandings around community transport is that they provide services for all members of the community, where in fact in general community transport is eligibility based. Some projects do offer services outside of the eligibility, but in general as from Transport for New South Wales, the relationship that we have with community transport is in relation to eligibility-based services, primarily the Commonwealth Home Support Program where clients apply for the program through the aged care system. From a service provider perspective... Yeah, that was going to be my next question.
2: It often comes down to the differentiation between a taxi and a community transport provider. So a community transport provider, because of the way the funding works, wants to work with scale. So we want to get as many people on the bus as possible to take them to where they need to go. Whereas a taxi is a very individual service. So sometimes initially, when people start with community transport, they go, oh, hang on a second, why am I sharing a vehicle? But in reality, the whole purpose of community transport is is to be able to provide a group service or a community service rather than an individual service.
3: Okay,
2: Because then that comes under the point-to-point transport law. So where
0: does that fit in with that, David? So there's a lot of
3: community transport providers that are currently registered with the point-to-point transport commission. They're authorised under point-to-point transport law, and they're providing services outside the contract with uh, Transport for New South Wales. Now, if those services are in vehicles of 12 seats or less, including the driver, they may very well be point-to-point services. It would look to be authorised under point-to-point transport law and provide additional services, which some would consider more closely to a taxi service or a higher vehicle service than a community transport service because they're picking up and dropping off as directed by the customer at times, convenient to the customer.
1: Yeah,
0: which is that individual kind of thing. It's it's, I want to go from A to B, whereas what you were saying before, Ben, is it might be a whole group of people who are going, which is more like a community transport. It can be a
2: group, but it can also be we have to drive past Betty's place and Bob's place and Elsie's place to make sure that everyone gets to Westmead Hospital for example. Yeah. So it enables some level of scale to be able to provide a cheaper service, That's a subsidised service. And
3: it may not be uncommon for a community transport passenger to also be in the vehicle at the same time as a passenger service, which is a point-to-point transport service. So there could be two types of passengers within the vehicle at the same time. Yeah. Do you see that
2: lot, Ben sometimes? As a provider, yeah, you do. And it depends on how You structure, as Nicole was saying, community transport providers are really horses for courses. A lot of them will do point-to-point type transport. Others choose not to because of their business model. But as a rule, if you do multiple types of transport, then you try and put as many as you can on the same vehicle because there's a scale savings in that. And that's what we try and do as a not-for-profit is try and make it cheap. Yeah. So there's no compromise,
0: coming back to what you're saying, David, if I'm driving a van, there's no compromise in me having someone, I'm providing a community transport with my vehicle, but also a point-to-point at the same time. Correct.
3: It's just better utilisation of the resource, in this particular case, the vehicle.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I know that's something you're quite passionate about, isn't it, Ben? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Efficiencies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. And
0: Sorry, because I want to come back to that. Sure. I yeah. So does that cause any sort of conflict from your perspective, Nicole?
1: Not from my perspective in transport because the projects that I am in contract with have an agreement with Transport for New South Wales and those contracts actually exempt them from the requirements of point to point. It becomes more interesting when transport groups are transporting people who are under agreement with Transport for New South Wales. So they are your Commonwealth Home Support Program customers. They are exempt from the requirements of point to point other passengers in the vehicle at the same time, they might attract interest of point to point. There are also some community transport groups who also operate services outside those that they're contracted with transport and they would be services that point to point would also be interested in. Yeah.
0: Because to be a community transport provider, it has to be part of a contract with Transport for New South Wales. That's correct, isn't it?
1: Yes, and that has to do with the funding arrangement. As I said earlier, Transport administers funds on behalf of the Commonwealth, and it is through that process that we have a funding arrangement with community transport.
0: You've touched on something then, which I know causes some confusion around the passenger service levy. And so, when does the passenger service levy apply, Dave? So, the
3: passenger service levy applies for every booking that you take for a passenger service in the hire vehicle space. What the law classes community transport vehicles as are hire vehicles when they're doing point to point transport work. So, any booking for a passenger service in a hire vehicle where that booking is actually completed will be an additional dollar for the passenger service levy. Yes.
0: And So when we were talking before about having some community transport people and some point-to-point passengers in the vehicle, however many
3: point-to-point passengers, they're the ones who... That's exactly right. However many bookings you have for point-to-point passengers, that's where you'll attract the dollar levy. Bearing in mind that this is in vehicles for 12 seats or less, and if we're talking of 13 seats or more, they may also fall under bus operator accreditation, which is dealt with through transport.
0: So what sort of vehicles then do most of these people have, these community transport the providers? Is it mainly, just thinking what David's saying, is that mainly 12 or more? Or are they mainly
2: minibuses? What uh, I'm going to go back to Nicole's <laughs> initial statement. And that yep, is, I, it, it really is a horses for courses yeah. kind of deal. So if you're a rural setting and you're taking very small numbers of people in a vehicle, then typically it's cars. Okay. The Active Care Network does the Blacktown, Penrith and Blue Mountains local government areas. And so the Blue Mountains looks quite different to Penrith and Blacktown. And we have about an even split of cars, vans, which can seat, depending on whether they've got disability access or not, can seat up to 12 or can seat as few as eight. And then we've got the medium-sized buses after that. They can seat 19 to 24 kind of people. Okay. So it's all sizes then? (laughs) Yes. And as a community transport organisation, you need all of the different sizes. Because what you want to be able to do is generate a social setting for transport. Mm. So often when Betty and Elsie get on the bus, wherever they're going, it matters just as much as who they're going with. So we want to be able to create a setting that enables them to be able to do that.
0: Okay. How well do community transport providers understand all of this stuff that we're just talking about? quite well <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'd like to think that most of them understand it quite well i think the thing that's interesting is though that time from time the people who are involved in community transport may change and there's always an opportunity for a refresh
0: yeah because i'm just thinking about all of what we were just talking about and whether someone might be just a community transport provider and they think all they can do is community transport which is obviously not what we're talking about yeah. so what's your experience been of that do you find people try to do both, Ben, or do you the...
2: Community transport organisations, and Nicole, <laughs> I'm going to keep coming back to Nicole and keep saying that for a community transport organisation, it's quite different from organisation to organisation. For our organisation, because we have some urban transport and we have some regional transport required to provide both, and so we need to be accredited to do both. Yeah. But there are examples, for example, Live Better across the other side of the mountain, they've taken on a point-to-point accreditation because they want a government contract doing transport outside of community transport. They want to run more public transport services. There's the NDIS work that, that you need to be accredited for. Part of the confusion that sits within community transport is around the difference between a CHSP client, which is a Commonwealth Home Support Program client, and an aged care package client. So they're both part of the aged care system requesting an individual service that they attract the point-to-point levy. Whereas because Transport for New South Wales funds us to deliver CHSP, we become exempt. So there are lots of things that a community transport organisation needs to look at and make decisions on. Mm -hmm. Up until recently, the aged care package scenario provides an opportunity for certainly the more urban community transports to provide lots of those services and create an income stream from that but also have to obviously follow the the regulation
3: that's required. Yeah. So if someone wants to get authorised, what's involved David? It's a reasonably simple process. Authorisation is really just the authority to do an activity. So if you're planning on doing an activity in point-to-point space, as in providing services, you need to be authorised before you start that activity. And it's a simple process of applying online, providing uh, documentation, such as your 100 points of ID and a national police check, because there are disqualifying offences for service providers. And we will check to ensure that there's nobody with disqualifying offences. And then it's simply lodge your application online and it's generally processed within a few days. So it's not an onerous thing? No. The one thing to remember, though, is that you really need to have your framework set up before applying. You want to make sure that you've got your safety management systems in place and you understand what the services are that you're wanting to provide uh, and then look towards finalizing your authorization because once you're authorized you can start trading as a point-to-point service anytime you're on
0: yeah yeah and if, they, if anyone wants any information they can go to, of course, the point-to-point website. They maybe. most certainly can. Don't <laughs> ask me the phone number.
2: <laughs> so the bonus that community transport providers have with the point-to-point system is that it actually provides some background structure to be able to implement safety for drivers. So if a driver, they're licensed, for example, they're losing points or they're not driving safely, then that comes up in the background framework. So the point-to-point system, even if you're not actually paying the levy or whatever it still provides a system where you can maintain a safety level amongst your drivers
0: yeah yeah and that would be the kind of thing when you're saying you already need a predetermined framework that's the kind of thing yeah would exactly be, it?
3: and there's a lot of material on our website in <laughs> relation to helping understand what that framework actually is hmm. Hmm. okay and so
0: if you had one takeaway that you wanted people to learn nicole what would that be
1: um, I think if in doubt, contact uh, the Point to Point Commission and they will be able to assist you because it does get a little bit complex. I think it is a little bit complex between the different schemes and the different services that can be provided. So if in doubt, ask. Yes, because it is yeah. quite involved with what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah,
2: Ben, what would your takeaway be? From a governance perspective in a community transport organisation, it's about understanding what kind of service you want to deliver and what fits your business model. If you have a look at the point-to-point opportunities that are available to your organisation, then you do a business case on it, you understand that it works, get involved in it. There are some community organisations that are going to be too small or or too specialised to want to be able to do that. So as an organisation, take it back to a governance level understand what the risks and what the opportunities are and then proceed. Yeah, and it comes back to your point at the beginning,
0: Nicole, it's horses for courses. Some people will be happy to do just community transport, some will want to do the point-to-point stuff. There's it? yeah. And
3: David, what would your oh, Look, I, I think away? the outtake really is that point-to-point transport law is flexible enough to allow you to innovate and provide different types of services, so it's worth considering what services you might want to provide.
0: Mm, yeah. Thank you again, Ben, Nicole and David for joining us and sharing your thoughts and knowledge. I hope the session has been informative for our listeners. Education resources and a copy of the transcript from today's podcast are available on our website, pointtopoint.nsw.gov.au. A video of this podcast is also available on our website and can be shared as an educational tool. For more information, we have a community transport fact sheet on the Point to Point Transport Commissioner website. And if you have found this information useful, please share the recording. Thanks for joining us.